And if you would stand, and we'll read this, I'll read it for you in your hearing. We will talk about what happens and what we'll do when adversity strikes. Psalm 70 verse 1 says this, Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Let them be ashamed and confounded who seek my life. Let them be turned back and confused who desire my hurt. Let them be turned back because of their shame who say, Aha, aha. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation say continually, Let God be magnified. But I am poor and needy. Make haste to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. You may be seated. A lot has happened since September 11th, 2001. A lot has taken place. I, in my own life, the, the, the best way that I am able to get a hold of the magnitude of time that's taken place, which is 10 years' time, the way that I am personally able to kind of get a grasp of how, how long a time that is, is that I look at my oldest son, who is 10 years old, and I see what 10 years looks like. It's a lifetime for him. It, it, it's really a lifetime for us because the, the things that happened that day seem so long ago, and yet they do just seem like they happened a few days ago. Do you ever feel that way about it? Because parts of it seem like, how could it ever happen? Almost seems like it didn't happen. But then some of it is so visual and so vivid in our minds that, yeah, we, we remember everything we did. I, I think the natural thing for all of us to do, and, and I was even asked this morning, and I think we probably all have asked people, where were you on that day? And up to that point, there was really only one other event that was treated that way, and that was the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And I remember many times hearing people say where they were, and many of you would remember, if not all of you, who were alive, where you were when our president was assassinated. And then I was asked this morning, where, where was I when 9-11 occurred? And I was in school. I, I wasn't a student. But... Um, I like to throw that in there, but I um I was teaching school in Hope, Arkansas, and it was a nine-ish, nine-something. Some of you remember the exact time, but it was in that range. Nine what? Nine thirty-seven, and that was about probably towards the end of our first period class, and they allowed the television to come on, and all the kids got excited because everybody likes TV. But we soon found out that it wasn't a joyous thing. It wasn't a treat. But we were watching images that we really didn't know what was going on. They didn't really tell us. They didn't say, that this is what we're going to see. They just put us in midstream, and we're trying to figure out what we're seeing. Is this a commercial? Is this a new movie? Is this real? Trying to figure it out. And, and as we were watching the clips and starting to piece together what had happened and thinking, 
well, maybe this was an accident. What a horrible accident this is. And we're trying to figure As that was happening, we saw the second plane purposely go into the tower. And at that point, we realized that it wasn't an accident, but that it was a planned deal. And we were in the midst of something that we've never, as a nation, quite been a part of before. And a lot has happened in those ten years. Think of the nation in terms of the ten years. We've seen our economy come into a crisis. We have been in wars in two countries. We've seen the elimination of the person who was the mastermind behind this attack in Osama bin Laden. We've seen our relationship in the world with countries. Some grow stronger. Some become weaker. And we have seen a world truly change in so many ways in just my son's lifetime. It's a different world in ten years, isn't it? It's a different world. And as we think about that, we, we have to understand that even in times of triumph and in times of tragedy, life still goes on. It's much different than it was ten years ago, but life continues to go on. I look out and just as I, as I say that my son was born right before uh, uh, 9-11 occurred and the events that took place on that day, there are many people in this congregation who have kids and grandkids that were born after that. And even though that day was tragic, those days in which those children were born were joyous days. And God's allowed us to, to have joy and, and to, to smile again and to go past those things. People, uh, some people have gotten married and some people have started their own families and, and, and they've, they've went on and, and had great success in many areas of their lives. And so it wasn't the end, but it was different. It, it wasn't the demise of our culture, but it was a change. And we want to have some sort of understanding as to what this day means for us. I think many people at that time were at least moved, at least temporarily, to consider God. Some maybe for the first time. To maybe try to see where God was in this situation. How could God allow this to happen? Or if He allowed this to happen, what was the purpose in it? And, and many people, I believe, got closer to God. I, I think that as we look at it, people started to get back into the routine of dealing with their own personal lives. And as we said, they did all the things that people do. And they faced their own times of crisis, their own times of triumph, their own times of tragedy, and their own personal times of adversity. So that brings me to the question today, as a believer, what do we do when we face adversity? What do we do when tragedy hits us? Now we've seen what the nation went through. And we face that together as a nation. 
For that brief time, we were more connected, as we talked about in our Sunday school class this morning, we were probably more connected and more patriotic in the few days and months after the events of 9-11 than we were. The only other time that I can think probably was that heightened was in the 1940s during World War II. And probably the nation, and some of this is guessing on my part, I wasn't around for all that, but I don't imagine the nation was quite as unified except during maybe World War II, up to that point. But we face that as a nation. And yet every day, individuals face triumph and adversity and tragedy in their families and on their own. And so... We want to consider today, what's the business of the believer? What what does a Christian do when he's faced with adversity? I, I know what we're tempted to do. We're tempted to throw our hands up in the air and yell. And not only are we tempted, but many times we do. But what is the believer's response? What is his business? What is he supposed to do? What does it look like when a Christian faces adversity? Is it any different? than when a non-believer faces adversity. It should be. And as we look at Psalm 70, we get a glimpse in maybe at least two basic ways in which a believer responds during adversity. And I just want to seek two of those and share two of those with you. The first one is the fact that the believer seeks God. His first response is to seek God. Now think about that for a second. When tragedy hits... In your life, after the initial shock, what do you do? You're to seek God. Because I want to know where He's at in my problem. (laughs) God, I'm here by myself, or at least it seems, and I need to know, are you coming up anytime soon? I need to know. And maybe you're over here, or maybe you're over here. But God, I need to seek you because I need to know where you're at. Amen? In times of adversity, the very least that we need to know is where God is. I'm glad God don't take breaks. I'm glad God don't have to stop and put His hand up against a tree and say, i got to rest for just a second. You go on ahead of me. God doesn't do that, church. God doesn't do that. God is not lost when we can't find Him. We just don't see Him. And we're called in Psalm 70, as you look back at this Scripture, look at verse 4 when He says, Let all of those who seek you, then He says, Rejoice and be glad in you. Is there any joy in the midst of tragedy? Is there any joy in the middle of adversity? I think there is. There may not be a lot of happiness. There may not be any silliness and laughter. But my joy isn't dependent on my circumstance. My joy is dependent on the God of all universe. And we're to seek Him. Hosea uh, 12.10 says, To sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness 
on you. Many people after the events of 9-11 sought God and those who were pure in their hearts, those that were seeking righteousness without exception, those people found God. I believe that just as sure as I'm standing in front of you today. Now there are a lot of fakers. There's a lot of pretenders. There's a lot of people that show up because things are wrong and I need some help. But those who were sincere and truly sought the Lord found Him without exception after the events of 9-11. And I don't know them all, but I know they found them. And we are to understand that God wants us to seek Him, to look for Him, to see where He's at. Because crisis doesn't put an end to God's will. I've shared this with you many times in this phrase, but, but God is not ever taken by surprise. 9-11 didn't sneak up on God. He didn't look at any point and say, I did not see that coming. And friend, in your life and whatever you're facing today, no matter how hard it is, no matter how bad it is, it may be more than I can imagine that you're dealing with this morning. But God's not surprised. God's not taken aback. He knows exactly where you are. And listen to me, He knows where you're going to be when it's over with. He sees you on the other side of your trouble. He sees you on the other side of your adversity. God's already there. And He knows where you're at. And yet you and I are still to seek God in the middle of the adversity that we're facing now. Happens all the time. We're, there are people that are struggling, that are dealing with issues that we don't even know and may never fully know. But God's still there. He can still be found. And we're to spend our time trying to get to know Him more. We're to seek God. It was a great thing to be able to look after that time period of uh, the events of 9-11 to see there was a hunger for God. There were people that were seeking God. Churches were having record attendance in places and people truly were more patriotic. The, the, did you remember the bumper stickers? There were flags, I mean, everywhere. We were patriotic. And not only that, we were seeking God. Many were seeking God. I'd love to say... We still have that fervor today. But because we're so emotional and we're up and we're down and we're so fickle, we don't have the fervor we had 10 years ago. But it did change some people's lives and introduced them to a Savior. And they're still serving Him 10 years later. I have hope in that. And I believe that to be true. God used it. Someone we talked about a lot in our class this morning, and, and, and I want to say this very clearly because I don't want to come off as a, a person that, that is trying to incite something. You can have your opinion about why 9-11 took place. You're perfectly entitled to that. Many people came out blatantly after that and said that it was God's judgment. That's what we get. We deserve it. I don't go that direction so much, but I do know this. The reason we face adversity as a nation or individually is, is real simple. It's all because of sin. 
It's all because of sin. And if that is a form of judgment, then in that case I will say yes. Any sick, the common cold in your life is a result of the curse. Because had there not been the curse, had we not sinned and broken God's command, you'd not get sick. We'd have no tragedy. Homes wouldn't be threatened. There'd be no cancer. But because of sin, church, we're all facing judgment because of sin. Now understand what I'm saying. I'm not one of these people who say, oh, we got what we deserve. I really don't want what I deserve. And by God's grace, I'll not receive what I deserve. I'll get the grace of Jesus, which provides mercy for me to be saved, and I can spend forever in heaven with Jesus, knowing full well I don't deserve it, but enjoying it just the same. One day I'll get that. But we face judgment in this life we face adversity in this life because of sin that entered into the world. And you can blame it on Adam, or you can blame it on Eve, but it's still here. It's the curse of man. And you and I not only may have to deal with it, but we will deal with it. And we will decide if we want God to lift it in our life or to let it be but we'll still face the curse. And so we need to seek God. But not only that, the second thing that I see in this Scripture as I read in Psalm 70, in verse 4, we're to lift Him up. Because go back to 4, it says, Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad, and let those who love your salvation say continually, Let God be magnified. How in the world could God be magnified in an event in which two of the biggest buildings in the world crumble to the ground? In which people are die? In, in which the whole nation is shaken to its knees? How in the world could God be glorified? And yet He was. Those events don't change who God is. God's still God. God is, we can do what we want to in this life. We can bring the earth to its knees. We can destroy everything that's here and God will still be God. Won't change Him in the least. He, he, when we look at God, have you ever been able to speed somebody up by the things you say? Your kids sometimes, they just keep pestering and pestering and pestering and finally you say, well, okay, and then you do it. Whatever it is. You did it quicker than you wanted to, but you were tired of hearing, hurry, hurry, hurry. You ever been there? Did you ever do that? You have to be honest. You have to be honest. Did you know that God don't ever worry about you pestering Him? He's a perfect daddy. You can pester Him all day long. He's still going to move when He wants to move. Not because He's being stubborn. Not because he's being obstinate, because he knows when he needs to move. If God needs to move quick, he'll be quick. And if God needs to wait, he'll wait. And it doesn't matter how impatient you get, God's going to move when he needs to move. Now that's comforting to me. 
I need to know that. I don't want you to affect God if it's going to hurt me. I don't want you to pester and speed Him up on your account when I need Him to move in a particular way. Don't you do that to me. Amen? Don't mess it up. And I'm glad that God isn't affected that way. Now, yes, He is moved by our afflictions. He, de- he is concerned when we are concerned. But God moves not just when He wants to, but when He needs to. And we need that. Sometimes we can get in a hurry. Sometimes when I've been sped up by kids, I do things without thinking and regret it later. Wish I hadn't done that. Then I start blaming them. But it's really my fault because I'm the one that's supposed to be grown. Supposed to be. We're to lift Him up. Verse verse 4 says to let God be magnified. In other words, today and whenever we're lifting God up, which should be all time, He gets top billing. He gets the main headline. If I'm in the story, that's okay. But God's name is the one that you focus on. I get real nervous. And I, I please understand, I don't have a major problem. I, I've been asked this before. I don't have a major problem if a pastor's name is on a sign. But it's never been a deal with me. Honestly. I get real nervous if I see a preacher's name on a sign that's bigger than God's name. Don't you? I preached a funeral one time in a particular church and they said, now don't be taken aback, but there's going to be a huge picture of a particular minister in this church. John Wesley. And sure enough, I stood right here and I saw a big picture of Jesus and a big picture of Wesley and I just would not try to figure it out because I was afraid of what I'd find. But that one seemed a little bigger of Wesley. God's supposed to get top billing. Amen? It's His church. He can rip it apart and start over tomorrow. Or instantly as He tears it down. It's God who is in charge. And He's to be glorified. To lift Him up. To magnify His name. After 9-11, God was lifted up. And magnified in many parts I believe, of our society. I think more people were more sensitive to the needs of other people. There are a lot of people helping people. That's good stuff. Don't you? I love seeing those stories of people helping people after 9-11. As people were leaving the towers and they were fleeing for their own lives, some would stop and help those that maybe had fallen in risk of their own lives. I don't know what you think about that, but that's the love of Christ in somebody working. That's what Jesus would do. And as we see that, we understand that the believer in his life is to look for ways to lift Christ up, even in your own adversity. Is it hard, is it difficult to give God the glory when you're struggling in your own personal life? When you feel like you've been kicked in the stomach and you just don't see any end to your suffering, is it difficult to lift God up and let Him be glorified? The answer is yes, it is. 
I would love to say I'm a super Christian at all times and have no problem with that, but when you've been punched in the belly, it, it takes you a while to catch your breath. But you do find out that as you are grasping with a situation and when you allow God to be God, and to lift Him up, and to glorify Him in even in your storm. As the song says, to praise Him even in your storm. You'll find out that people see God working, and you'll be surprised. You'll see God working. He's to be magnified and lifted up. And Psalm tells us, Psalm 70 tells us to lift Him up. See, the believer looks for ways to lift Christ up in their own lives, even during adversity. And see, church, I don't know what you may be facing today. And there may be people, and probably are people in our congregation, that are their lives are as good as they've ever been. They're walking on sunshine. The future's so bright, they've got to wear shades. That's two wrong song references in one shot. Getting good. But then there are also people who are struggling today with whatever they're facing in their lives. Always in any size congregation, somebody that's feeling great, somebody that's suffering great loss or pain, and people on all ends of the spectrum, and they have one thing in common, they all still need to hear from God. Had a person disagree one time with a and, and I believe it was Jerry Falwell that was credited with saying it, but I've heard other ministers say it. That you're either been through a crisis, you've, you've been through a crisis, you're going through a crisis, or get ready, you're going to go through a crisis. I believe that to be true. I don't believe that's a stretch. This person I was sharing, talking with disagreed with us. said, oh, I just don't believe that. I don't think we have to accept that. I think we can affect things in our life to where we don't have to go through things. To which I shook my head and said, hmm. No sense of arguing with somebody that has all the answers. Amen? But I'm just on the level that I think that it's true that we've either been through a crisis we're walking through a crisis now. Or we're resting up for the time when we will go through a crisis. I didn't make those rules. Once again, sin. But I do know there's a God that comforts in all three situations. And He is the one that wants to meet you today, wherever you're at. In your pew, if you come to the altar, but in your life, He wants to meet you in a way that He comforts you and is real in your life in a relationship with Him. If you don't know Jesus in a relationship as Savior, you need that today. You'll not make it out of this life without it. God wants to be your Savior, your Lord. And if He's speaking to your heart today, yield to that call and let Him do that. If you have another reason to pray as they come and prepare the invitation, you can pray at the front. You can pray where you're at. I certainly would pray with you and anyone else would too. But don't leave here today without knowing that God has heard your voice. I ask you to stand. Father, thank you so much for the love you have displayed to your people.
that You have allowed us who are saved to be called children of God. And You still are allowing those who are not saved an opportunity to come to that place. We realize today that we are lost and undone without You. And we know that we'll have no excuse one day if we have not accepted Your grace and stand before You. We'll have no excuse. But God, we do know we have an answer. We do have a provision that's been made for us today. God, if there's anyone in this place that needs to be saved today, I pray that You would perform that miracle only You can. God, for those who are here hurting today, who may not know what the next move might be, God, we know that You already are there. And I pray that You would speak so definitively in their heart and their lives and make it known what they're to do. We love You and we'll wait on You. It's in Your precious Son's name we pray. Amen.